Yeah, this is a bit of a chilled out version, isn't it? This is a different version from the um, normal song that we play at the beginning of the show. It's a, it's a similar, similar sort of vibe. No, it's not a similar vibe. It's a different vibe, but it's the same song. Anyway, uh, the reason I'm playing it is because this podcast is pretty much an interview with Dan O'Farrell. Uh, Dan O'Farrell of Accrington Stanley fame. Uh, we're doing another podcast, sort of so normal music podcast, but I thought over the summer, do something a little bit different and interview some original artists and have a chat about what they do and about what they're up to and how they got to be and where they are today. And today's interview is with uh, Accrington Stanley frontman and um, uh, engine uh, Dan O'Farrell. And he came over last week and we had a nice little chat about uh, Dan uh, about Accrington Stanley about being played on John Peel, what it's like being a musician, which guitars he's got, obviously, because I was interested in things like that, uh, how he writes songs, all that kind of stuff. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kick off with an Atkinson Stanley song, Midlife Crisis, uh, and then we'll crack on with the interview. And at the end, he plays one of his own songs live in the studio, and it, that song is called Fill My Lungs, and it's gorgeous. And then uh, then we can get on with the rest of our lives, eh? So uh, this is the folk we're going to kick off with the song, uh, an Ackerman Stanley song, which is Midlife Crisis, and then the interview. And then I'll speak to you all again very, very soon. Bye! My head is thumping like a double kick drum pedal Played by a teen thrash metal band Blaze over like the eyes of the fish counter Flaming fins I understand Wondering if you get time off for good behaviour If there's a chance of some parole I turned witness for the prosecution and helped condemn my shell shocked soul. Can't believe I'm expected to do.
So I'm sat here on this wonderful warm afternoon with the fantastic Dan O'Farrell. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Good, good. So we've had a little bit of a chat beforehand. And so uh, Dan O'Farrell is uh, probably one of the most hardworking, <laughs> hardworking, I was going to say comedians, hardworking um, singer-songwriters in Southampton and possibly in the South, possibly in the country. Um, did start. Uh, I mean, people may have known you if they do still know you from your uh, days in uh, as the lead lead singer and also some main songwriter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in Atkinson Stanley, who yes. was uh, brought to fame by the fantastic John Peel. Yeah, um, which must have been amazing at the time. It, yeah, it was lovely. Um, we sort of, you know, just a local band. We ended up sort of moving to London, trying to make a go of it. We had sort of some sort of good things happen and then quite a lot of knockbacks um but when you sort of look back and you think well John Peel played us so we can't be that bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know that was a and then we had this really nice thing happened when you know after he died they released his his record collection yeah. bit by bit online and um it was partly fluke actually but the first hundred records they put out were from the box of a records and two of our oh, albums were in that I'd sent yeah. him um and I think just in that box of records we were the ones people went oh who are they you never heard of them kind of thing so we got quite a lot of sort of attention for being in John Peel's record box that was really lovely and he kept the letter I sent him and stuff so um yeah it was nice to have that nice to be connected to that and have that kind of calling card yeah, yeah. definitely so what 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 happened at the time how did it it was just you know as simple as sending sending your vinyl to him when we when we finally got the money together to put, to press a record sent it to him and um in typical fashion, never actually heard him play it, but I know he played it a few times because friends would say, John Peel played you, and then he'd listen, you know, assiduously for the next 10 nights and <laughs> nothing. And then, um, but yeah, so uh, since then, there is a whole community of sort of John Peel diehard cassette people. Who've re- so I have heard John Peel introducing us a couple of times from old cassettes. Oh, like, nice. Yeah, this is Accrington Stanley from Southampton, not Accrington. Um, so yeah, it's just that it's a, it, but at the time, I suppose there was no internet at the time. So, you know, once you missed it, once it had gone out, there was no yeah. listen again feature. No, no iPlayer. <laughs> so, um, so a lot of it was kind of without our knowledge, really. Um, so, but it's, it's nice to, it's nice to know, do you know what I mean? It's nice to know that someone who I trusted to kind of introduce me to new music, at least put a couple of our tunes out there. And, well, yeah. also, but thought you were good enough to play. Yeah. That's the yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, you That's know, nice well, it, was, it was nice that he played you, but also it was nice that he... And it was—I mean, it was—it was—it was fortunate you, you were called a, you were A, so you come out in the first yes, yes. tranche yeah. of, of, of of record. Of, of yeah. But you were in that box in the first place. Yes. So if you weren't yeah. in, in the A, you'd have been in W's or whatever, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, so yeah, it's lovely, and that was a and it was a nice sort of um. I think lots of people are interested in that because John Peel is still held in such affection. He is. So it's it's kind of nice to have that connection and the and the John Peel archive people are really supportive to us and kind of mm. yeah, it was really good. Well, I, I thought that there might be a, a space for you at the at the um John Peel stage at Glastonbury. Well, you'd have hoped, wouldn't you? You'd have you know, <laughs> you'd have gone, yeah, you know, come on, sort, what's sort going your on life out. Yeah. Sort your life out. And um, we were talking before, um because now you're a soloist, but you've also you are a soloist, but I've also seen you play perform with the band. So yeah, so what what happened was, um, you know, Acton Stanley only actually stopped playing three years ago, maybe two years ago. Um, but towards the latter part of that, we weren't gigging very often because you know it's a five piece band; everyone's got kids. Hard to sort of pin anyone down, to be honest. Mm. So I started doing a couple of solo gigs in the couple of years before that, because people asked me to. Can you come and play? 
Um, very... always, if, if you ever want to get someone to play a, a gig, just ask us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You surprised how often that works. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and uh, very, I played them very badly, actually. The first few sort of solo gigs I did, I was just doing Accrington Stanley songs, strumming very fast and very loud because I was trying to make up for not having a band with me. And I felt vaguely apologetic and guilty that it was just me on the stage. Um, but then even couple, more so. Well, yeah, <laughs> even more so than usual. And, uh, but then, it, then I started to realise, I learned from a couple of people, I think I've said this before, but there was a guy called Paul Armfield I played with from the Isle of Wight who just turned out, I'd done my set of really thrashing with my guitar, and he just turned up and literally just brushed the strings lightly and kind of whispered in this wonderful sonorous voice he has. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that works too, and actually seems a lot less stressful. <laughs> um, so I started to learn to, I think I then started to write songs that were a bit more suited to that and a bit more sort of solo friendly. Um, so I did that more and more, and it was much easier to get gigs that way because it's just me and a guitar and I can turn up on the bus and I don't have to wait for four other people to say they can do it. And you're cheap. And I'm cheap, yeah. Um, so, it, and I start to really enjoy doing that. Um, and the, the two overlap for a while. And then, of course, at a certain point, as I think probably happens to all singer-songwriters at a certain point, they think, oh, these songs would also sound good if I had some bass and drums and trombone and cello. And um, So I started to sort of do the odd gig with Rick Foote on double bass, who's just a fantastic local oh, musician. Oh, monster. Yeah. He's just... I, my admiration for Rick Foote is... is, is is um, it's kind of mirrored with with um, Bastian. Yes, my bass yeah, player, yeah. Because Bastian is just adores him. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I guess you know, I guess Rick and Bastian have both come through that thing where they're jazz players and and play a lot of folk as well. So nothing phases them. Ah. You know, Rick, I can literally say, "Oh, I've got a song starts like this," and he'll, he'll be with me by the you know end of the second yeah. verse, kind of thing, or, or halfway through the first verse. The probably. way the way he 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 uses a, a the pedal. Yes, yeah, that, you can create loops. And, oh, that yeah. loop pedal, it's because at first he, with with most people that use that I know that use loop pedals, it's obvious they go and here's mm, this, mm, dun, 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 mm. dun. but with Rick, yeah, you're like, what's going on here? Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, here? what's happening? What's yeah, happening? Yeah, yeah. And there's subtle. a loop pedal being used. Yeah. And it's like, oh god, yeah, <laughs> he just keeps pressing that pedal. Yeah. Well, what's that wonderful noise? Yeah, I think I said on stage whether it's like a sympathy of Rick feet. It is. <laughs> the oh, it's amazing. Um, and he also bows much oh. more than you know most double bows. But so that's lovely. That brings all sorts of textures. And um, and then I, at the same time, I was also doing the odd gig with Chris Walsh, who's a friend of mine from primary school, who was Atkinson Stanley's first drummer, and then bizarrely Atkinson Stanley's last drummer. He played for the last few years in Atkinson Stanley. And um, I sort of do duo gigs with him, sometimes with him on a Cajon. And it took me about six months to think, actually, I could put these two people together. <laughs> it took me far longer than it should have done. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was really nice. That just, you know, the first time the three of us played in the room, it was like, oh, this works. Do you know what I mean? And it was very, very improvised. Very, you know, I didn't have to at any point say, oh, do you think it should go like this? They just clicked in with what I was doing. And they're both real listeners. So mm. they'll get the dynamics that I'm feeling. And so that's lovely. And then that band has at times expanded to include a string quartet and pedal steel. Um, so at the moment... Who did you get playing pedal steel uh, Mike Davis. Oh, okay. Yeah, he doesn't want to do it anymore because he's got a bad back from lugging pedal steel guitars oh, around. Right. But um, <laughs> but you know, he's a fantastic musician, fantastic guitarist, um, and he was amazing on pedal steel. So I've kind of got this lovely thing now where it's kind of scalable. So I can get a gig, and if it's one that's better, if it's just me in the corner of my guitar, that's the way it works. But if it's a duo gig, I can ask any number of people to come and be the other half. Um, if it's a trio gig which needs to be a bit more rocking, I can try and pin those guys down. And occasionally, a gig just with the strings, you know. And then, like, we're playing at Wickham uh, in a couple of weeks. 
and I think I've got everyone for that. I've got the, mm. I've got the, you know, the core trio plus the strings plus um, Claire Canning. There's harmony vocals from right. And it's like, yeah, it's um, you know, that'd be really nice. Scary. So where, what, what day are you playing at Wickham? Um, on the Friday, the second, mm-hmm. half past six, on the Cave stage. Cave stage, cool. Yeah. Do you know anybody else that's playing on that day in the, in the um, cage, Cave stage? Yeah, um, just after me is Justin Caps. Do you know Justin? Yeah. Oh, he's very good. He's um, I think he's I think he's from Texas, uh, but he lives um, Leon Solent way. Um, and he's got a beautiful, pure sort of tenor voice mm. and writes very um, I guess sort of country esque songs, but with a slight sort of lyrical edge. Often, yeah, he's really good. I recommend. Oh, lovely. Yeah. yeah. So, have you, been, have you been keeping it quite local, or have you been doing new gigs far um, away from home at all? I guess mostly Southampton. Um, I ventured. Where have I ventured to? I think it's, I've gone as far west as Devizes. Oh no, I went to Bridport. I don't know which is well. Oh, okay, west. yeah. Whereabouts in Devizes did you play? Uh, I want to say the Lamb. Okay. Yeah, that was a really nice gig. Um, and then a couple of weeks ago, did one in sort of last minute one in Bridport at the Sailmakers, Ropemakers, Ropemakers. Um, so that's so uh, yeah, gradually edging my way along the mm. along the Jurassic Coast. So what makes a good gig for you? Um, people listening. <laughs> yeah. so it's that simple because. Um, you know, I know we do a similar thing in that, you know, you sometimes end up in gigs where there are people there, but there either there's nobody there, which is always depressing, or there are people there and they're literally not interested in anything that's going on on the stage, and you're sort of reduced to kind of background music, um, which you know you can you can do, and we you can or I can bear it, but it's it's not as much fun as when people are laughing at my jokes and 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 I find probably if I had to choose, I'd probably take a gig where there were a small group of people really listening than. A lot of people ignoring me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it it can work actually. I, I, I do know exactly what you mean. And there are some places where you just go, oh, I'm not going to play this gig again. Yeah. And I don't want to be background music. But there's one venue that I played that I don't mind it okay. being back background venue, and that's that's um, Chaplin's in Boston. Yes, yes. We both played Chaplin. Uh, yeah, yeah. For um, for Comrade. Comrade, I love Comrade. Yeah. yeah. Um, because. It's such a random venue, yeah. <laughs> and the people in there are so random. Yeah, I we played there a uh, week before last, yeah. and there weren't many people in there, but they were all engaged, yes. and it was fine. Yeah. That yeah. was that was great. Yeah. Um, but the time we played there before, there were loads of people in there, yeah. and we I just felt like we were part of some like it was like a back back and alien orgy, yeah. and, we, and we were the soundtrack. To <laughs> like it. I felt insulation. more the, that's not not so much the background music, but yeah. the soundtrack. Yeah, that's kind of cool. That, yeah. and, and, and because I started thinking of it like that, yeah. with the soundtrack to this, this yeah. film that's going on, <laughs> it, I, I kind of felt better about it. And yeah. I, and, yeah. and, and I think I, I, I performed better yeah. as, as a result. Because <laughs> you're a soundtrack so, man. Yeah, so maybe I yeah. can think of that next time we'll play somewhere when there's loads of people with a yeah. But they were okay. They weren't sort yeah. of talking over us. They were just... Doing their own thing. They were all part of us. We're all part yeah. of the same film. Yeah, well, that's Con- a nice way of looking at it. Yeah, we're all part of Conrad's yeah. dream. Yes, <laughs> what a strange dream that would be. It was. Yeah. So what would what would what would be a, what would constitute a bad gig? Um, well, um, hasn't happened often, luckily. But I'm. Can you, re- can you can you think of a particular occasion that you thought? Um, I'm resolutely none covers. I just do my own stuff. Um, and I make a, you know, I've even got a song about that. I make a big deal of it. I always warn people when they book me. Mm. If I turn up, I'm playing the songs of Dan O'Farrell because no one else is. Exactly, I'm exactly the same. Uh, yeah. Um, so occasionally I get misbooked and I turn up and I go, "Oh, you do any Johnny Cash? Do any Oasis?" And uh, um, that's never that's never gone badly wrong. But I have had a couple of like evenings where I know I'm not what they want to be listening to, and that's kind of difficult, you know. And 
and part of you thinks, oh god, maybe, I should, but then no, <laughs> maybe I should just pack up and go home. Yeah. Um, and you know, you get the odd one. You know, I was playing one in a Jags nine one one in South Sea the other day where there was a thirtieth birthday party there who weren't that interested in my satirical takes on modern life, um, and then they all left because they'd had their cake, and I was singing to the bar staff and the. Um, lady who owned the restaurant and the sound man for a while which actually was quite nice because they were quite enjoying it um but i don't know I'm, I'm, i guess i'm probably stupidly optimistic but by the end of that one a couple of other people wandered in who seemed to enjoy it and suddenly it seemed a bit more worthwhile yeah. um so i try and sort of take the positives but yeah occasionally you do think what the hell am i doing mm. <laughs> do you ever rehearse for a show um i'll rehearse i'll rehearse for wickham mm-hmm. um if i it depends which other musicians i've got so if um, well, let's just say, for instance, you're doing a solo show. Do you, do, you, do you rehearse for a solo show? No, I just, and I like to wing it, and I don't write a set list, and I um, I try and feel what's appropriate. I, You know, I'm writing new songs all the time, so occasionally I'll sit and try and... I'm, I get very annoyed at myself if I have to keep referring to bits of paper, so I, I try and try and learn them one at a time. So I guess I guess I rehearse in that way. But I don't... Um, I think I'm gigging so much at the moment that I feel quite um, well-oiled. Mm-hmm. Um and it's interesting because with with the trio with um, Chris and Rick, we we rehearsed the other day actually to try and learn some new songs. But generally, we kind of tweak stuff as we go, and there's a bit of that that kind of joy. So I don't want to over rehearse with them because I don't want to lose that. But when you've got sort of string quartets and stuff, then you have to obviously nail things down a bit and um, look at bits of paper. And mm. so so yeah, I, I'm not a I'm not a keen rehearser, but sometimes it's necessary. Mm. <laughs> See, I'm. I, I'm a really keen rehearser, but yeah. I, I, I know people don't want to rehearse that much. Yeah. I can't put people through it because they go, oh, no, we're okay. But there's a part of me that just goes, no, I want to be... You want to be 100% sure. I want yeah. to be more than that. Yeah. I know you can't be more than 100%, <laughs> but I want to be... Yeah. I want to be... I don't believe in being over-rehearsed. Yes, Because yeah. I think once you become really well-rehearsed and you know exactly what's coming next, you've taken all that guesswork out of what's going to come next. And then you can be creative. Then you can relax and create. Yeah, no, there's something in that. There's and and that's, in that. that's what I found. Yeah. And I found, it, with also with rehearsing solo stuff. Yeah. And I've, because I, I've, some of the songs I've been playing for literally 20 years. Yeah. Literally 20 uh, years. And every so often, when I'm rehearsing it, again, I go, oh, why don't I do this this time? Oh, yeah, that's better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, no, there's, Oh, there's, God. There's, um, and the similar thing happens to me sometimes if I ever listen back to anything so I tend to record stuff quite early on when I've written it you know you write it you record it and straight away straight otherwise, away. Like, otherwise yeah, for me it's gone yeah exactly and then occasionally then you you know a couple of my songs I've then gigged them quite a lot and then I listen back to the original recording and I think oh that's awful because I've changed the phrasing so much or I've gone to a slightly different note and um so yeah I guess things do evolve and I I, I'm a, I think that's a healthy thing isn't it that's a healthy mm. way of doing it do you reckon, is there a song that just keeps cropping up and you think, oh, I should drop it, but then, oh, I don't know. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I've got I've got some songs of my set which which seem to be quite context dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got a song about Southampton called Southampton Hampton. Um, and it's always quite interesting to know the right place to play that. Obviously, it works quite well in Southampton generally, not always. Um, but, you know. If I, if I do it in Portsmouth, does it then play as a anti-Sahampton? No, <laughs> or yeah. See, I'm, so, I'm, I'm st- I've, I've lived this since 2006, but I still don't get that. Yeah, it's still like. Well, it's, it's, it's very, it's very deeply bred. Yeah. It is. It's all, I, I did read the history of it once, yeah. and I thought, I'm like, really? Is that yeah, it? Oh, yeah. Jesus! Come yeah, on. No, it's all a bit sad. There's other, there's other things we can do. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
And I've got a song called On Scars, which is um, about uh, sort of self-harm mm-hmm. and eating disorders. Um, and I always feel carefully about whether I should sing that one because I'm really proud of it and I think it's a, I think it's a valid song. Um, but I'm also aware that it might be quite triggering and it might be quite... You know, and also I'm very aware that I'm a man singing about singing a song where the protagonists in the song are mostly female. Um, so, you know, so it's like a delicate thing, and like, yeah. yeah. Um, but generally, I play it. See <laughs> <laughs> so what happens. Yeah, I was I was watching a thing on Netflix about comedians, and it, it, it was uh, Jerry Seinfeld, and um, oh, I can't remember his name. It was in Twenty Four Hours. Black comedian Chris Rock or no, the, Eddie Murphy Eddie Murphy okay yeah, yeah and they were saying that what people don't understand about comedians is that they think everything's funny yeah <laughs> everything's funny Every, everything is funny everything yeah. is funny so you know it's we might think that, oh that's a bit bad taste that's nothing yeah that's nothing <laughs> you know so and so died oh really he was, he was around too long anyway I've had enough of that guy you know what I mean it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. that's it and I think that's that's kind of that, that, that way with musicians sometimes that you that you, you get get inspired to write a song about a particular thing it doesn't really matter now they go well like say oh it could be tricking for somebody and it's like we all we want to be i mean most of the musicians that i know and i think most musicians anyway are kind of lefty touchy feeling you know um but at the end of the day you go well it's a good song yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. and it's a good song yeah you know it's got the way that the way that the way that rhymes with so and so, or the way that melody goes in with yeah. that, and that chord, like it's in yeah. that, oh wow, that's brilliant. Yeah. You always feel, yeah, it's funny actually, that song particularly, I almost feel guilty that I really enjoy playing it, because well, this is such a traumatic subject matter, but yeah. actually, yeah, I'm quite proud of how that chord hangs together. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's like that. But um, I don't have that thing, I know occasionally you get that thing where you, know, you sort of resent a song because it's the one that everyone asks for. And I always think that's a bit sad because, you know, if people are asking you for it, you've done something right, haven't they? So, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've kind of got one of those songs. Have you? But, I, yeah. but, I, but then they go, oh, yeah, I really love that song. And I go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be playing that song in my dotage. Yeah. If I'm not already in my dotage. <laughs> yes. but, but then that's one of the songs that I've changed the ending of. Yeah, do, do yeah to keep it fresh for yourself. Well, no, because yeah. I, I rehearsed it and I thought, oh, what if I did this in it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that kind of breathes new life yeah. into it as yeah. well. Yeah. So that, that's quite good. Um, so, do you, do you play any other instruments other than guitar? Um, guitar mostly. I can, you know, like a lot of guitarists. Apart from can, ukulele, obviously. Uh, well, <laughs> I've done, any, I've, anyone can play yeah, ukulele. I've done a little bit. Um, I can sort of black bass as a guitarist. Yeah, I'm, yeah, not sure, yeah. I'm not sure I'm a proper bassist. Um, I could do. I could know. <laughs> I could do. I was, I was, I, this is a confession. I did play bass in a covers band for a couple of years. Um, not particularly well, but I was there. Um, I can sort of do keyboards well enough to put like a. A chord or back. A chord, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's about it. That's about it. So, what do you think? What would you say that? Like, have you got? Have you got many guitars? Um, my wife would say too many. Um, <laughs> I've got. I've got two acoustics that I like and two electrics that I like. I think mm. that's fairly restrained. That's not bad. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. I mean, there might be other ones in bits around the place. Yeah, yeah. But you know, there are only there are only four that I play. Yeah, yeah. So, which is your favourite? Uh, I've got a Gretsch, um, which. You know, so it's a modern Gretsch. It's not like an antique or anything, um, electromatic. Uh, but it was just a real statement to buy that because um, I'd always desired one. Yeah, he's like, I'm a guitarist, and I'll, I'll have that. Yeah, one there, yeah. When I was like growing up, I was into the Stray Cats, and yeah. my dad got me into Eddie Cochran. They were They're like, touring again, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, I imagine that'd be great. And uh, so it's one of those kind of 
ideal aspirations to one day own that guitar. Yeah. And I had this magic moment where I had this little sock drawer with my gig money in, and I'd been and looked in um, the guitar store down by the Mayfair and seen they had these new Gretches in, and it was a certain price. And then I did a gig which paid me 40 quid, and that took my sock drawer money to exactly the price of a Gretsch, which I took as a sign from the Almighty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, ever, if ever there was one, that's yes, what it was. You know, it had to be, didn't it? You that's know. why I sent Jesus down. Exactly, to make sure I got my Gretsch. Yeah. So I took my sock drawer money to the guitar store the next morning. Um, so that, that's good. And that... Would you say it's your most treasured musical possession? Yeah, I mean, oh, that's a good question. I think it probably is. I think I'd probably cry more if that got run over by a truck than most other things. Mm. I've got a really nice Fender as well, which I feel a bit guilty. I feel like I've neglected. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we, yeah. Yeah. It's like, I know what you mean. Because, I mean, I've got my Taylor, which I yeah. adore, and it's my working guitar I use yeah. it for everything. People could say, why do you use that for teaching? I go, because it's bloody great. Yeah. Why wouldn't <laughs> I use it for teaching? It. Yeah. Um, but, if it's a fire or anything, yeah. I wouldn't save that. I'd save my, I've got a wow right. bass that yeah. I bought in the 80s when I had yeah. loads of money and it's just a, a beautiful solid guitar and I yeah. love it to bits yeah. and it's got I can get another Taylor yeah there's still not that many whales left okay yeah so um, it's, it's got rarity value it's got yeah. rarity value yeah. to it yeah yeah interesting isn't it mm, interesting what's, it is. what's sentimental and what's playability and what's just sheer value <laughs> yeah well that's, that's probably worth yeah. worth more than all the others put together yeah. as well that's yeah. wow um, so what was the last CD you bought? Oh gosh, That's come a on! Question. This is a bit of a confession time. Yeah, what did I buy lately? Um, what, what, or, or what do you think? What do you think we should be listening to? What, is okay. it someone you discovered that you're thinking? Um, oh, these are these are good. The last person I got sort of obsessed with, and this has been ongoing for two or three years now, um, is Villagers. Mm. Uh, um, he's a Dubliner. It's called Villagers, but it's basically one guy's kind of band. Yeah. Um, and he's called Connor O'Brien, I think. I might have got that wrong. That'd be shameful, wouldn't it? Um, but he's he's this. Um, he's got this beautiful voice, and he writes deceptively simple sort of pop songs, which just really grow on me. So I, you know, I always approach a villagers song and go. Oh, yeah, yeah, Was that villages right. or villagers? Villagers. Villagers. And it's not the villagers; it's just villagers. Um, and particularly, his album before last is called Darling Arithmetic. And that was the last time a CD literally got glued into my car because I just had to keep listening to it. And by the time I yeah. got to the end, I wanted to go at the beginning. Um, so yeah, I recommend, if you've not tried them, I recommend them. I think they've got, think they're on album number four now. Yeah, okay. um, and all, all the albums are good, but particularly the third one, Darling Rift is just beautiful. Um, and he sort of, I took my son to see him live actually, and that was that was wonderful. Where did really, he go? Uh, Portswood, Portsmouth, Redgewood Williams. Can't say it. That place in Portsmouth. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> I can't say my W's today. It's nice. Wedgery. The wedgery rooms, yeah, it? it's a good, good venue, isn't it? I like the shape of it. It's a bit like um, when Talking Heads opened in Polygon, Maple. Yeah. They had a similar sort of shape for him, didn't they? Always yeah. like that sort of wide. It's funny room. because when you were talking, when, when I was asking you about that, I, I if people say to me, well, "Who are you listening to?" Yeah. I, it's pretty much always Jonas Policewoman. Okay. And uh, yeah, and I saw Jonas Policewoman. At, um, Wedgwood Rooms. Okay, uh, yeah, it's a good size, isn't it's it? A really, yeah. It's a lovely place to see someone yeah. really good. <laughs> yes, yeah, because you're literally... Because it's like, she's real right yeah, there. Yeah. Like, I had one of these lucky... It's my, it, was, it was a weird thing getting to the villages because I t- was aware of their early stuff and then somebody bought my son for Christmas a compilation CD which had a villages song on it, one of their early songs. 
And he said, oh, I really like this. And I, I said, oh, let's see what they're playing. I Googled them and they were playing like two nights later in Portsmouth. Oh, brilliant. I was like, right, son, I'm taking to this gig. And then it was like, yeah, that, that, that kind of hooked me. I was blown away. Wicked. Yeah. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to play a song. Oh. So what song would you like to play? Okay. Um, now that, that song, the one you just thought of just then. Okay, Fill My Lungs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think that's the one we should hear. Okay. sorry I've said it far too much I've apologized for breathing now I need to fill my lungs but it's hard to break tradition it's hard to change your soul it's hard to wear a different mask and play a different role but I have to keep on trying I have to work this through I have to learn the lessons taught by you I need to make you happy I need this to be true I need to come out fighting here for you And everything gets noisy And quiet's hard to find I've been drinking to get off my head But I can't escape my mind And nothing good comes easy We all know that it's true I've done the pain for no real gain, now I need some pleasure too. But I have to keep on trying, I have to think this through. I have to come out fighting here for you. Cause I need to make you happy, I need this to be true. I have to learn the lessons taught by you. Dan O'Farrell and finishing off there with uh, Fill My Lungs. If you're wondering about that rattling that was going on towards the end of that, uh, well, actually all the way through that, <laughs> all the way through that rendition of Fill My Lungs, uh, it was the, the, the extra strings left over after you've you, you put the strings on your guitar and uh, sort of like hairy, hairy strings, you know what I mean? Uh, and it's them, it was them rattling, <laughs> rattling as he played. So it's all, it's kind of added to the ambience of it, I thought. Uh, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed that, and uh, I don't know what's to come next. I've got a few people booked in for for um, interviews, and I'll chuck in a couple more uh, music ones in the future. Hope you're having a lovely summer. Catch you later. I love you. Bye. <laughs>